Hey everyone, welcome to the Spiritual Involution. We took a little bit of a hiatus, but David and I decided to get back at it. And today we talked about living in the question. I personally thought this was a really great conversation and got me thinking um, and living in the question. I do apologize in advance. There was something going on with my earphones or headset that was causing a bit of a raspiness. So I hope you can get through that and continue on and, and listen to the content. Thank you. Hello, Katie. Oh, good. You're here. <laughs> Hello. So nice to hear your voice. Wow. It is good to hear your voice too. Happy afternoon to you. You too. Where are you at these days? Are you in Tahoe or are you back in the Bay? Currently I'm, um, I'm in Tahoe on the crest. Right now I'm looking at the back of the place at the Carson Valley and the sun is setting on the Eastern Carson range. Ooh. Oh, it's glorious. The trees shining, the sun shining through the treetops. It's beautiful. I love the sunset. Where are you? I am in the kids' classroom, which has a nice window as well. Not quite as beautiful as yours, but I'm looking at beautiful trees, and I can see the mountains a little bit in the distance. And there's still a little snow on the ground, starting to melt, though, um, and turning into somewhat of like a, an ice rink where I'm falling all the time. Um, but it's, it's nice. It's nice to see the seasons change here, which is a fun change from California. Yes, Yes. yes, I concur. So today I was thinking about uh, living in the question. Um, living that, that in was... the question? Yes, because mm-hmm. I know that in podcasts, for me, when I'm looking, um, when I'm exploring podcast titles, oftentimes I'm exploring uh, um, the solution or the answer to a query or a problem. And I know in 2020, many people were looking at how to answer the question, how will I get through this? Will my business survive? Uh, am I going to be okay? And, and what was occurring for me is, what happens if we live in the question as opposed to looking for the answer? So does that mean being curious to you? Or, or what does living uh-huh. in the question mean exactly? I don't actually know. There's a question. What does it mean <laughs> to be... <laughs> It brings up curiosity to me, like you're playing with it. There's some sort of sense of play with living in a question and a sense of not being tied to an outcome, which I like. Like you're not looking for a definitive answer. You're sort of exploring, you're questioning. Um, I'm thinking of like the Socratic questioning theory where you, you, you question something and that gives you an answer, but that answer gives you a further question. So take that question and now question, answer that. And then that will lead you to another question. <laughs> You're yes. always going and going. And uh, even when you do think you find a definite, definitive answer, should we even cling to that a hundred percent? You know, I don't know. That was, that was perfectly I have the experience right now. I'm on, I'm on the other side of a tennis court and I threw a ball at you and you literally smacked it right back to me perfectly. Nice. <laughs> so uh, I have just, I have just completed the second term of a three term course that I'm facilitating online it started in September of 2020 and it's a 30 week exploration on, on modern day mysticism. Mm. And 
And uh, the third term, the, the third 10-week period is about to begin. And I was just looking through the book that we'll be exploring in this course for the third term. What's the book? The, the book is called What's in the Way ah, is the Way. I, I remember that book. I know you do. And it's so beautiful to find it again because it's as if, it's as if in the last year, sitting in my bookshelf, the author has rewritten it. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Oh, yeah, because you're a different person, right? So you're now viewing it in a different perspective. I love that, especially those kind of books. They're so open to interpretation. I feel like, you know, rather than if you're reading maybe a math book or something on calculus, you would maybe yes. see the same thing. But these kind of books, I feel like you would totally see it different. Well, especially after going through the year we've been through, I would imagine. <laughs> Now, in there, she uses the word curiosity. It's funny that you've actually brought that up. Um, she being um, Mary O'Malley. That's right. She was the author. And Mary O'Malley, she asserts that the opposite of fear is not courage, but the opposite of fear is curiosity. And so I find it interesting that you would actually even use that word because in the book, she is Mary. She is presenting to the reader, you and me, the, the challenge or the assignment to start asking questions and don't try to find the answers, but just let life present the answers for you. Mm. And now I've, I've gone through this book six years in a row and I'm more excited now than ever before about being present just for questions. Because here's what I know about you and I. You and I are voracious readers. We're highly curious. Um, we're somewhat extroverted, in, even if we're an extroverted introvert. We love to, to pursue and explore um, topics that sometimes are even taboo. So yeah, I'm super excited right now to just begin asking questions. And when I remembered that I had, I had precious time with Katie Burke, <laughs> I thought, Katie, what kind of questions are in front of you right now well, in this uh, March of 2021? What's, what's alive for your family, your kids, your husband, your community? A lot of things are alive, but something is triggered inside of me when I'm hearing you speak about curiosity and the whole idea of what's in the way is the way. Um, and, you know, I've been homeschooling the kids. So we've, I've just been delving into all these different topics, which is so exciting because I'm relearning things I'd forgotten. And we had looked at a book about Jane Goodall. And it was the cutest mm -hmm. little book, but it was all about her curiosity. And in her curiosity, she wasn't actually asking questions in, a, in the way that you're talking about letting life come to her. She would, you know, wait it started with I think chickens in her yard or something and it ended up being her work with uh, chimpanzees um, and she would just wait and observe and allow the animal to come to her and she would get to know the traits and the movements but it was as if she became just part of the environment and allowed allowed things to come to her and I'm finding some something in that I don't know exactly what but I think there's something to that right now that could be really useful 
because there's so much information going on right now. There's so many ideas. There's so many experts. There's so many worries. There's so many fears. There's so many ideas. And it just feels like somebody just tossed up a bunch of stuff in the air. And I kind of want to, I feel myself drawn to stepping back and just seeing where things fall and observing how people react and observing what is going on because I'm a little confused myself. I just know something is happening and I don't know, I don't feel confident enough to make certain judgments yet, but I'm very aware that there's a lot of moving parts. And I think if you delve into it too deeply right now, you could get lost in the, and not see the bigger picture, the, ob, you know, the curiosity, the, the, uh, the observation, the Jane Goodall, the, the one who's just observing. Um, so that, that was what came up when you were talking. What do you, what do you think of, of that? I'm, I'm moved by what you just said. Uh, well, actually, while you were talking, I was trying to remember it. Uh, one of the curses of middle age is is the uh, is the forgetfulness that that seems to be coming with uh, with maturation. Um, anyway, that's my story. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. But but so I don't remember. Did you and I talk about um, Martin Luther and the Reformation? I must be in middle age too because I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> well, so what I what I just. What I just heard you describing was very true for me too, and that is, um, I'm, I'm finding it very attractive to, to slow down and well, you know, I say that a lot, but I'm finding it very attractive to to be observational, and you just presented a great picture, like Jane Goodall, just sitting there waiting for the animals to come to her. I'm finding it very attractive now to watch series like The Crown, which I've seen over and over and over, but how many times she said, she being um, the character Queen Elizabeth II, when she says, sometimes the best thing to do is do nothing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes do nothing. Why I brought up uh, Martin Luther, and I'm not talking about Martin Luther King Jr. I'm talking about um, Martin Luther that that really was the precursor to Lutheranism. In 1513, in 1513, Martin Luther, on November 1st, nailed, nailed to the church doors his thesis, which really started the Reformation. So the Reformation being, being the emergence of a church that was, that was different, separate, and distinct from the Catholic Church. It was when suddenly the world had a variety. Mm -hmm. So that Reformation happened because he nailed a thesis to the door on the 1st of November, 1513. Now, do you think anybody on the 2nd of November in 1513 said, wow, today's the second day of the Reformation? Well, no, of course not, because they didn't know what was happening. Although what was happening was, was a monumental shift in the way human beings were going to be worshiping and talking and relating. Right. And I I think we're in a very similar period, like something is changing very fast and we're trying to, we're trying to name it right now, but I don't think we can name it because it's still presenting itself. Yeah. And it's interesting. You're talking about religion right now, because I feel, I'm feeling a sense that, you know, I've been delving into a lot of Jordan Peterson stuff too, where he's really wanting to look at the myths, the creations of the past and myths and 
And I'm wondering as a nation of this many people, with, with the fragmentation of it all, it feels like we've lost a focus where religion might have been that in the past. Like we might have all kind of fallen under the umbrella of basic religions enough to have us kind of work together. And now it feels like even the structure of, let's say, the, um, the Constitution is being questioned. Like we, where is our foundation as a nation um, if we've lost our ties to these religions or to even a sense of being American? And is it problematic if we cannot, with this many people, find myths or stories to believe in? Uh, even, even if they might be false stories, in some sense, I feel like human nature has always needed myth, needed the creation, needed stories of some sort to like glue us together. And I'm noticing as I'm trying to sit back as Jane Goodall, that it seems like we are losing the glue and not that anyone's right or wrong, but we don't have a generalized myth anymore or religion like Martin Luther or any, any ideas even that are coming forward to actually give us structure. And I, I wonder whether hmm. that's, I feel like it's very wobbly in that sense. Um, so I don't know if you feel that or you see that. I'm actually moved by what you just said and the state I find myself in right now, I would be inclined to actually write down that question somewhere so I can look at it. So um, the, the question can, can be present like in my conscious awareness and not disappear as, as one more thought that passed in the rapid firing of my mind being busy all day, but to really look at that question, huh? Because here's what occurs to me. Um, in order for me to be, to be a, in order for me to be a, uh, a, a powerful, self-expressed, peaceful, contented, satisfied, middle-aged man, I have to let go of the man that I was. Like, I, I can't possibly be fulfilled with what I'm capable of doing now if I'm forever going to measure it to how better I was when I was younger. And when I can sever myself from, from the attachment for my youthful virility, what I find is a sweetness in a conversation like right now with you is so sweet. I don't think the younger me would have really relished this time like I do right now. So I, I'm bringing that up because you just talked about uh, our our religion, our unified belief, our, our collective identity is shifting, but I don't find that troublesome or pesky. I don't have the need to, to try to stop that from happening, happening or fix it. But I'm inclined today, like at the topic of, huh, questions. I might go, is there anything for me to do about this? And I think for me, I'm more worrisome about it because I don't understand it. Like I don't, I don't see the structure trying. If I understood what was going on and was trying to emerge, let's say, let's say it was the Lutheran, uh, Lutheranism, and I understood. Okay, he posted these rules. I get what he's trying to do. I'm for it or I'm not. You know, like I get it. You're pretty clear with what you're trying to do here, Mr. Martin. But um, this, I feel like, okay. Are we are we tangling with free speech? Are we are we are we kind of trying to do away with some of these um, th 
things that are the bedrock of our country, which I actually really love. Um, are we looking in the right place for change? Um, oh, that. Like, yeah, like, I oh, mean that. that, like, we don't, like, uh, you know, for example, I posted little tests. Um, I was having them memorize the beginning parts of the Declaration of Independence. And I got a message, a private message from a, a friend who always likes to um, battle me with ideas. And part of me finds it so frustrating. And then part of me loves it because it forces me with curiosity to dive into places I probably wouldn't have on my own. And even though it's difficult, I find that debate super needed. And I, I don't ever want to shut that down. So even though he's frustrating, I, I'm appreciative of him. But he, bat, he said, oh, I see that you, you know, told Tess about the Declaration of Independence, super cute video, but are you going to also tell her about the Discovery doc Doctrine? And, you know, that's about taking away indigenous land and slavery. And, I, you know, I just feel like I, I understand and, and I have talked to Tess about that and, and Noah, uh, not about that specific doctrine, but about slavery and about how we didn't discover this land. Someone else was here. And I know that we have history that is not beautiful. But I do think the Declaration of Independence, if we lived up to it, is so beautiful. And I feel like if I, it feels like when I go into that, that, um, that uh, American prideness, if I have any of it, it's seen now in a negative light. And I'm starting to wonder, like, is this, is this the, the nail on, on, the, on the wall of Martin Luther? Is this day two? Are we going to see this crumble? And what's going to replace it? And that's where I, I feel lost a little. Like, I don't know what they're trying. What are we trying to replace oh. it with? Like, what? Yeah, I, you just described you just described the messiness in which I find myself. Um, it, the the idea of free speech as I knew it as a kid has has um, has pretty much I I don't see that we are we are now as easily invited to to share our opinion because our opinion has to match that of the ruling group or we will be ostracized, shut down and canceled. And yeah. And there's not any room for good faith discussion where you could be wrong. Oh shoot. I'm stepped out of line. Now that you explain it to me, I agree. I'm wrong, I, but that's just, I, it feels like you can't even have that kind of tango anymore. And that's how humans learn. Most of our speech is wrong. That's what I've learned from Jordan Peterson. Most of our speech is wrong. How we've evolved is working through the errors with each other in a creative, creative, collaborative process of discussion. And if that's shut down, um, I, I am kind of concerned about that. You know. You know, I, I post a pic, I post a question daily on Facebook because it gives me an opportunity really to to very swiftly, um, in a unified way. Um, uh, experience uh, connectedness or relatedness, even for a flash, a second, with a couple hundred, three hundred people every day. And I wrote a question, and most, and they're they're playful, they're curious. Like, what was your favorite game as a kid, or do you remember your favorite song or group growing up, and you still like them? You know, yeah. just just tell me more. I like your more. questions; they're always fun. Well, I don't remember if it was yesterday or the day before. The question was. Um, who would be the patron saint of your name? You know, like I found out that March 1st is actually St. David Day. Oh. And I went, wow, mm -hmm. uh, like who's, 
who's St. Catherine and what is St. Catherine's Day date? So I just asked this question. And um, a woman wrote that she didn't actually ask me. She didn't uh, even suggest. She actually said, You're, I'm black and blacks are not Catholic. And so your question expresses your white bias. Mm. And well, I, well I, my mouth dropped open because I then did a Google search. Um, what religions have saints? And you could pretty much finagle that almost every religion uh, experienced in the U.S., even those that are Protestant and Baptist-based, have saints in their history somewhere. But the point I'm bringing up, the, the point I'm bringing up was I was literally just expressing in a playful way an engaging question for people to look up and say, well, where did their namesake came from? And, and, and what I learned from this person is that she moves through the world as a black woman and she's actually expressing that my, well, I can actually feel the heat in my voice. Let me slow down for a moment. What, what, what she told me from my assessment is not so much that my question expresses my white bias, but her reading expresses her black listening. Hmm. And she and I will never be able to have that conversation. Right. Yeah. It's a tough crossroads. Like, I don't know. Those those questions, they're not even allowed anymore. It wasn't, I wasn't invited into a question like, Hey, do you, what do you think about uh, the black or the African-American churches? Do they have saints? It wasn't even a question. It was literally a finger point to know what, wow, wow. So I'm, I don't know where this is going, but I do want to be part of the solution. And part of the solution for me is continuing to have conversations with people like you and people with whom I surround myself who, who keep pushing me and poking me to think more, listen more, observe more and to stop being so cocksure absolute about things but to go huh huh i wonder about that like i wonder i actually wondered are there any black saints well it turns out there are right and that's bringing up you know a beautiful article i posted on my facebook um i forget the author she was a black woman um and she she called it instead of calling people out call them in and what she would probably suggest in that situation is for that woman to have private messaged you and really talked it out one-on-one. Get to know why you asked that question so she could better understand it. So she could then maybe tutor you in, in a different way to approach the question next time if that's what you saw fit. But I think this whole calling out, um, shaming kind of thing is really toxic in a lot of ways. Even if she, like, let's say, has a really good point that whole calling out in a public square is like taking the person back in the day, putting them on the stage and throwing fruit at them and having everyone laugh. You know, it's that, and you feel it. I've felt it too. I've had similar things happen where it was not my intention and maybe I did need to learn something, but the way it was done just made me feel small and made me feel angry and made me feel like I didn't want to listen. And it actually pushes people away. And I think puts people in a, in a camp that's probably further from the, the understanding that they're hoping for. And I, I think if I were to change anything in how people are acting, it would be that. It would be, let's, let's pull people in. If you have an issue, 
come to me one-on-one, let's talk it out. You know, this whole, let's type something and, and publicly shame each other. Um, I don't really know how that resolves anything. Well, uh, the the reason why I shared that in this particular environment was not to cast dispersion or shame on a particular person. But what I learned in that moment is how easy it is for the average person then to block, to unfriend, to disengage, and to sequester more and more with like-minded people and, and less and less with people who have opposition. So... So it, it would be very simple for me to not want to have anything to do with that person ever, ever again. And that would then, that would then throw me more into the America I don't want to see emerge. And that is where we keep, we keep um, constricting our communities and our connections. We, rest, we constrict them so much that they're the only people in are people who think exactly like I do, speak like I do, look like I do, dress like I do. Now, some might say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing really wrong with that. But, you know, that's, that's how terrorist groups act. That's actually how they indoctrinate people, is they continue to have the, the smaller and more refined inner circle. That's actually what causes uh, cults to emerge if you think about it. So I need to continue to resist the reaction and temptation to keep blocking and pushing people away who have a different point oh, of I view. I agree. I never block people I, because of that. Like I, like I told you, the guy that always mess, but he private messages me to his, so we talk it out privately. Um, but yeah, this part of me wants to block him because I'm just tired of it. But it's a purposeful... Um, it's a purposeful move on my part because that you're right. It's not the America I want to see. And part of the problem is this idea of unity being that we all have one like-minded view. That's not the unity I think that we are meant to have in America. The unity we're having, we should have, is the acceptance of different views and the desire to look beyond the identity of somebody and see the person behind it. Like I view thoughts and views and beliefs kind of like clothes, but we're losing the humanity behind our beliefs. We're othering the people. So not only are we now siloed into groups, right, through algorithms, we're also judging entire groups as groups instead of individuals. And that combination, yeah, you're right. It's, it's like, it feels like it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's just really ripe for, for things like cults or for, um, hate groups or a division really. But the, but the idea of we all being unified under one thought is, is not, um, <clears throat> it's not, that's not a merit. That's not even, that's just so un, it's not the fundamental values of this country. And it's not what I enjoy most about it. I enjoy the differences. And I, I personally think we need liberal minded people and some conservative minded people um, and I don't agree with any sort of hate, like racism and things. And But I, I still don't think silencing is the way to target that because I think, you know, silencing, I think I read a, a meme somewhere, silencing doesn't change a person's heart. You're not changing anyone's views by silencing them. We need to talk it out. We need to have uncomfortable conversations, but they do need to be under the umbrella that there is this loving human being who has a soul behind these beliefs, regardless 
if you believe them or not, you know, like I should be able to talk to someone with the most opposite views of me myself and see love beyond their beliefs. And I try my best to, and the way I do that is to view them like my child. Like you are a child of mine, of God to me. And so sometimes I get mad at my children, but my love doesn't fade and my love doesn't fade for, for even a Nazi believer. Like I will not be driven into hating people and I will find a way to talk to them and try to find out how I can change maybe their belief somehow into more of a loving belief. But I I don't know. I don't see that happening right now. I see just a lot of, um, of judging people purely based on their belief and we're losing the human being in the process. I'm very moved by what you're saying. And, and I'm very happy that I have your kids in my mind to help me get a context. I think that this, um, the world in which we find ourselves with algorithms and social media so readily available and the ability to cancel people very quickly. I don't think we've matured into the, into an effective use of it yet. And I think that that the nailing of the thesis on the church doors has happened with the advent of uh, the digital world. But I think that you and I were kind of like, uh, like Noah and Tess, your kids, they, they don't have the, they don't have the development to fully understand, let's say human, human reproductive systems, like some information is just not present for them because they don't have what it takes to grasp it. And I think that our brains right now are that way with social media. So we're, we're being kind of nerdy and dorky and inappropriate. And, and, um, and that brings me back to how we started um, living in the question like, huh, how can it be part of the solution and not be part of the problem? Then you have to define a problem. The problem is anytime I think that there's something wrong mm. here. And so how do you become the solution? Just if I, going along saying there's nothing wrong? I No, I call <laughs> Katie and say, Katie, just talk with me a little bit. And then I feel, you know, that's why, that's why we do a podcast, I think, because there, maybe there's people who are right now listening. Um, you may want to call and chat with a friend just to, to be heard, or maybe to hear or to get out of your head and into your heart, to get into your community. I think that's an important that, thing, getting into your real life, like beyond social media um, and getting in, into, into that. It, it's, it sort of sets you back from everything and makes you feel what life is really about. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I concur. So are you in your new we house? are. It's, um, it's been stressful. I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but, uh, it's coming along. (laughs) It's just, you always forget how stressful moving is, even though we're just moving down the street, same neighborhood. Um, and you know, just, just all that it is, but I'm liking it. It's a beautiful house, beautiful neighborhood and we're blessed. So no complaints other than I'm tired. (laughs) Well, thank you for making time for me today. I really enjoyed uh, touching base with you. And, and um, being okay with just being in the question and not having to have a final solution to anything right now. I, I just want to look at the trees and go, huh. Or maybe the animals like Jane Goodall and say, huh, let them come to me. Let them present mm-hmm. themselves to They'll me. They'll tell you. They'll tell you the answers. 
Yes, they, yes, they will. will. Well, I'm feeling complete right now. I'm How about you? Pretty complete. Yes, I think we we had a good one. This one, I think, a little bit off into La La Land with the the way it went. But that's what I like about our conversations. You never really know where they're going to end up. But I, I, I like them. Well, anyone who is actually listening. Let Katie or I know a topic you'd love us to to um, yes. to explore in a podcast. That'd I would be great. like to Thank explore you. Uh, Peterson's Twelve Rules of Life. Oh, I love that book. I specifically love that book. number six, which is set your house um, just... in order before you criticize the world, <laughs> which is kind of oh, what was that one about? Don't don't have don't don't have kids. You don't. Oh like. yeah. Um... <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, no, no, do no. Do not let your children do anything that whole... makes you dislike them. <laughs> oh, all right. You and I, we're going to have to do, the, we'll have to do maybe six podcasts. We'll do two of those 12 yeah, rules each time. Yeah, we should do that. Oh, that oh, would you know, be and fun. And people listening, um, right. the book, The 12 Rules for Life, is on Audible on YouTube for free. So you don't have to, like, if you don't have Audible, you don't have to buy it. It's actually, you can listen through YouTube for free. So if you want to listen to it, so our next podcast, people can be kind of aware of what we're talking about. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah Cause we're going to talk about lobsters. Yeah, lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I know that. All right. Me. All right. Love to you. Love to you and John and Noah and Tess and all yes, of my love. Do. All right. Bye. All right. Talk to you later.